Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are back. Welcome to July the 8th. Oh, Julie, I have yes. to ask, have you turned all your alarms off? I think so. <laughs> We'll find out. <laughs> Julie has gotten to the point in her life where she sets alarms for everything. She sets alarms to remind her to set alarms, I think. Basically. Yeah. Well, so we have, a lot of, we have a lot of interesting things to talk with you guys about today. Um, and uh, what we're going to start focusing on for the next few days is we're going to start talking about something that some of you have never had any exposure to. Distressed real estate. And we're going to be talking about the different classifications of distressed real estate. We're going to start talking to you more about how you can um, start, frankly, listing distressed real estate. And just to summarize, the distressed real estate that we're going to be focusing on, don't get caught on the word distressed. Distressed implies that it's some sort of dump, you know, and the house is about to fall over. In rare cases, that's going to be, you know, something that we'll talk about, but not really. What we're going to focus on is how to list and sell financially distressed real estate. And now, just so you know, back in the day, back in 07, 08, 09, we had the number one short sale coaching program in the nation uh, for teaching agents how to do short sales. And our REO program was also very popular. So we know how to get you guys at the head of the line when it comes to doing um, financially distressed real estate. Yes. We don't think there's going to be a return um, of that market for probably another six months, but realistically 12 months from now. And we're going to give you all the reasons why. Um, so What's, what matters now is that you familiarize yourself with what we're going to be talking about and then you position yourself to take advantage of what we're going to be talking about because unlike, well, like most opportunities in life, but especially when it comes to, um, you know, the early bird gets the worm. Yeah. And if you don't do the right things, take the right actions, and if you're not literally um, fostering relationships with the companies we're going to introduce you to over the next week or so, you're not going to even be considered or even have an opportunity to be considered for the real estate listings when they come around um, again, which they will inevitably. And um, yeah, so we're going to be deep diving into that. Before we get to our um, first point on distressed real estate, Julie has some interesting stories, interesting mm. experiences that she wants to share with you guys from all of her coaching calls today. Yes, that's right. As well as our premier coaching uh, class that happens live every single day. So a couple of interesting phenomenons happening out there is, especially with listing agents, but a definite trend I see is a lot of dual agency. Dual agency, of course, is when you have both the buyer and the seller. And, you know, this is really amazing because it causes zero days on the market for the listing agent. That's good. You can track that. You can use that as a stat to be competitive with. Um, one of our coaching clients had counted the number of phone calls that it saves you when you don't have another agent to deal with on the other side. So it's a good thing time management wise. You also have a lot more control because you're talking to both buyer and seller. You can deal with things like lease backs and possession dates much easier. So I see that. Um, you know, and that also is symptomatic of being a listing agent. If you're a buyer's agent and you keep on getting beat out, a lot of the time it is because a listing agent had the buyer already ready to rumble. So that's something to be aware of. And then the other thing that I think is really cool is um, old expireds are able to sell. And I'm seeing, actually, I'm teasing our agents that they're getting called by old expireds. 
Okay, so that tells you that people are thinking about pricing right now. Things are selling, low inventory. They're getting called by old expireds. Yeah, the expireds are calling the agents. They're hunting the agents down. So I always tease them, well, if that's happening, what would happen if you actually, you know, were prospecting expireds yourself, right? So the expireds calling you are luck and hopium, but you prospecting expireds gives you control. And I see some of our more uh, seasoned agents are cherry picking through those saying, what should sell in today's market? What's hot and what's not? what price ranges, and they're going after those old expireds from two and three years ago. My calls were very similar. My coaching calls were very similar. Specifically, what they're seeing are the houses that were, you know, marginal. Maybe they, most of them had maybe condition, location, and um, pricing issues, mm-hmm. you know, one or all of the above, and they're now selling. And yep. they're selling with competing offers. I was on a call with someone who had a $10 million white elephant house that everything about the house was basically obsolete. The decorating, the floor plan, everything was just, you know, this will never sell. Um, The seller was not even that motivated. You know, they couldn't really give a hoot whether it sold or not. It's $10 million. They had other homes. But the damn thing sells with competing offers almost out of the blue in like, uh, what was the last two weeks? And it's because there's such a lack of inventory. And there's all their reports that are coming out that the trend away from cities and densely populated sort of more urban areas, that trend is going to actually prove to be a multi-year trend, if not a permanent change in how people see housing. And that's kind of an amazing thing to think about, that the COVID virus could actually have triggered uh, essentially the rural communities who have never experienced much of a housing boom mm-hmm. to, could make those markets hot all the while the you know densely populated Manhattans of the world will be the ones that are going to be suffering. It's such a strange thing to consider. It's almost unfathomable that mm-hmm. it actually happened long term, but it does appear that the uh, you know pieces are on the chessboard looking as if that's going to be how it's going to play out. So very interesting what's going on in the country right now. Definitely. Um, and so it's, you know, always our job to remind you guys that no matter what changes come your way, you're going to have, you're going to be given tons of opportunity to be successful as long as you know how to succeed, as long as you know how to help people in this market. The rules that you won by in the last market will not work in this new market. And today's topic, talking about distressed real estate, I think we'll really drive down on that point. Mm -hmm. Now, before we get to our first point, and what we're going to do is we're going to work through, you know, essentially a condensed version of what distressed real estate is, the different categories. And then on a future podcast, maybe tomorrow or the following day, we're then going to start talking about what actions you need to be putting in place so that you can be considered to get some of these listings from all the different sources we're going to tell you about. The reason that distressed real estate, financially distressed real estate uh, is exciting is because once you have established a relationship with one of these vendors, let's call them that, who will be able to literally assign you listings, you will go to your email, there'll be a listing assignment to you uh, that's been given to you. You'll then have a checklist of items you're supposed to be doing, like BPOs and paperwork and Mickey Mouse like that, mm-hmm. occupancy checks. It's a process. It's a well-honed system that has been around for a long time and certainly through the last housing crash has become very um, you know, very refined. Yeah. yeah. It's not a big mystery. But what is oftentimes um, where agents screw up is they don't necessarily, they don't know how to get the relationships. And then once they have the relationships, they don't know how to keep the relationships. Agreed. And we're going to be telling you about how to do that. Now, I'll tell you some interesting little tidbits and facts. During the last housing crash or correction, whatever you want to call it, the number one agent in um, California 
guess what she was? She was an REO listing agent. And that was true across the country. The number one agents in terms of volume and dollar um, amount were almost either solely REO listing agents for maybe it was a big source, like the, you know, maybe it was Fannie Mae or something like that. Or they had multiple relationships with multiple uh, asset management companies. Or oftentimes they were doing, uh, which we always advise everyone does, a multiple spoke listing source business. So they're doing centers of influence, they're doing all the normal sources of business, but then they're also doing the distressed. So the distressed uh, business also opens up opportunities for you to work with investors, you to expand your own uh, personal portfolio. So we're going to be talking about all this stuff. It's exciting. Um, and it is an interesting opportunity provided you're willing to do the real work. And they do require that you absolutely have a regimented method of operation when it comes to running your business. And yes. if you don't, they'll fire you. And you know, you mm -hmm. will be held accountable. It's like a job, you know, that pays extremely well. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's more uh, business oriented. You know, you know how you win and you know how you lose, assuming you play by the rules. I like that you can have one relationship and multiple listing opportunities. I think that's pretty awesome. Or several opportunities with different asset managers, for example. You just have to not screw it up. So, you know, that's why there's coaching for it. Um, but let's talk about distressed property. So when when agents especially this generation of agents hears the word distressed i'm not sure that they really know how to define that so the term distressed property is used in reference to any property that's underperforming but what we're talking about specifically is what lenders consider a distressed property which is one where the owner is 30 days behind in their mortgage payment from the bank's perspective that's when the property becomes delinquent on the mortgage and therefore falls into the category of distressed real estate okay typically that is because the owner of the property has some kind of financial hardship. So let's talk about that for a second because it is important that we do make it clear that obviously distressed real estate can come from also a property condition. And yes. you're going to have different – and are you going to talk about that? Yeah. Okay. So – but just here's the thing to keep in mind when you're hearing about all this uh, stuff. You know, I'll give you a little interesting fact. And we're not talking about mortgage forbearances here. We're talking about just straight up people missing payments. Yes. There's an over 90% chance that once someone misses one mortgage payment, that they're going to basically have the house go into foreclosure. Depending on what state they live in, the foreclosure could take place within six months or less. Or if you're like in New York state, there in, and I think there was other states too, you could miss a payment, stay in the house for years. Um, we knew someone actually in Ohio who stayed in her house for six years, six or seven years, making no payments, yeah, not, not paying any property taxes, yeah. just doing nothing, just living in it for free, because that's how long the foreclosure process uh, took. Um, so why are we telling you this? Because you need, and we're going to help you understand how different states work and the fact that different types of distressed property, financially distressed property, for example, different categories will be like you could get an asset assigned to you from an asset management company and you might not have that listing go active for years. Whereas different types of financially distressed real estate you could get assigned to you and that's an immediate listing. So these are all the different little nuanced things you that's need right. to know. Um, as far as distressed real estate goes in a traditional sense, what most of you are familiar with is going to be distressed from condition. And, you know, that could just basically be someone couldn't keep the house up and just essentially the deferred maintenance got to the point where the house needed a major rehab, if not torn down. You see a lot of distressed real estate in multifamilies yes. where people are self-managing the properties and then maybe the, you know, 10 family needs a roof and they can't afford to pay well, for the roof remember, or they all need furnaces. It's a 10 family. You've got 10 furnaces. You've got, right. you know, 10 air conditioners. So um, now it is also true that something can be financially distressed without being physically distressed. It can be physically distressed without being obviously financially distressed, but perhaps the owner has fallen behind on their property taxes because the maintenance costs so much. 
So there's different flavors of this. But at the end of the day, the, the way the lenders look at it is, is once somebody's behind by 90 days, they consider it an uncurable mortgage right. because it takes so much money in, in fees and back payments to get it caught up. And statistically, it's very unlikely that that will happen. So these are all opportunities that you have for yourself personally to purchase things as well as um, you know representing your investors and things like that. So you've got the listing side, you've got the purchase side, you've got the buy and sell, the buy and hold, the help your investors. It's, I mean, it, there's just so much to it. You were talking about how states are different. You know, on our, um, our REO end of our website, we do have a state-by-state state foreclosure, um, you know, how it works in each state because it, it is not the same everywhere. So there's that. All right. Uh, let's see. What else can we do? Well, I mean, we talk about personally distressed right now. So here's here's the our crystal ball that I hope we're wrong about, but statistically we probably aren't. What happens when the forbearances run out? What happens when restaurants continually are not allowed to operate beyond 25% capacity or even office buildings sometimes are not allowed to operate at their capacity? You're talking about commercial distress. So commercial distress and also business distress where people are not earning what they used to. They fall behind in their mortgages. They don't have forbearances left anymore. But there's another little thing too. What about all the people like in Manhattan, for example, Mm -hmm. that were there maybe 50% or water where they just can't, they don't, they just want to walk away. They're just going to let the bank have the property back. And that's something that's been studied. You know, this, this is different than the, 2008 crisis where people didn't really know what to expect but now because of all of that this has all been studied and we know that once you know the example was if somebody owns a uh, if somebody has a million dollar property and they owe 700,000 on it so they've got 30% equity and the market then adjusts by 30% which can happen and, and actually is happening right now in Manhattan something like that so then they're even Steven right where's the incentive for that homeowner to continue to make their payments and if they sell it after fees, it's even less, which means they're already upside down. Statistically, many homeowners will either walk away or continue to stop making payments, see how long they can live there for free, but it absolutely becomes a distressed property at that point. And there's a lot of um, examples where they'll stop making their um, home, their uh, association payments. Yeah. And this they'll is stop. even if they have a job. They don't right. even have to be unemployed. To That's, so what she just told you is a psychological phenomenon yeah. that a lot of the banks hadn't, hadn't factored in when doing uh, these mortgage-backed securities. They, there'd never been, leading up to the last housing crash, a time where there had been, well, only the Great Depression, okay? During the Great Depression, that was the first time there was ever nationwide loss of property value. During the Great Recession, or whatever they're gonna call it, that's the same you know, same thing happened. There'd never been an, an instance where essentially properties a, across the country just fell in value. There's a belief that that same thing is gonna happen again next year. Um, and again, we've been talking about that, you know, albeit not waving the flag for it, but there's more and more reports and studies that are coming out, mostly from the financial institutions, where they're just looking at, you know, they're watching trends, like the trends before um, with regards to home values or ex- essentially what segments of the market were selling. And so like, the me- are they watching the medium sell, pr- uh, sell price increase? Are they So when you read all these statistics and all these headlines about the housing market being fantastic, understand that you're just looking at a sliver of what's happening overall and what Julie and I pay attention to because we cannot possibly understand all those data points either. 
We read articles, we study it, but what we really pay attention to, and you guys need to listen to this because this is the ultimate indicator of what direction the market's going, are we look at BPO orders. Mm -hmm. Because BPO's broker price opinions are ordered for all kinds of different reasons, but primarily they're ordered by uh, servicers, banks. So when you make your payment to Chase Mortgage or whatever, they're essentially the servicer. They're servicing that loan, collecting fees on the servicing of that loan. And you know, for an investor or investors, right? And what they're doing, they're like a property management company in essence. And so what they do is if they see you, if they they see your credit score drop, if they think that you're going to, based on their algorithms, be in financial distress because maybe the nature of the um, industry you're working in, if they think, for example, you're um, like if they see you, uh, you know, maybe you're not making your car payment. Maybe you're. Maybe over- it was a mortgage forbearance, and they're just keeping an eye. On right. It. Maybe so. So they'll order a BPO just to check on the property. They're going to send somebody out, and they're going to have that somebody do a CMA on the property, which is an elaborate. You know, essentially, it's an elaborate. Um, uh, well, I mean, it's, it's a B- it's a BPO, but it's basically a CMA doing an evaluation. That person's going to take pictures. They're doing that because they have to per their contract with whoever the investors are, yep. because they, you know, some trigger was flipped and they think that potential borrowers might be running the risk of going into default. So they then have a, a system that goes into place where they then have to check on the property. And the way they do that is by ordering a BPO. And the BPO is the first thing. Now, there are some states that don't allow you guys to do BPOs. Unfortunately, in some states, appraisers have gotten together and made it impossible for agents to do um, BPOs without having appraisal licenses. So if you happen to live in one of those states, I strongly suggest that you get an appraisal license or you go work for an appraisal, something. You do something so you can legally do BPOs because BPOs ultimately are the gateway, not just to really incredible market knowledge, but it's the gateway to work with the REO companies. And again, we're going to show you exactly how that process works. But really the way it works, and or the most basic way it works, is there are certain BPO companies that all they do are BPOs. So they basically work for servicers, and they're essentially just like a clearinghouse for BPOs. You do the BPO, you get paid a fee for doing it, 50, you know, 7,500 bucks. Sometimes it's hundreds of bucks. If it's a commercial BPO, it could be thousands of bucks, just depending on what it is. But they don't have assets to assign. They're just doing BPOs. Exactly. That's the point. And others of these, what they'll do is they'll be uh, asset management companies that actually do have the assets to assign. When I say assign, that means you're going to get the listing as a listing agent. You're going to make a commission off of it. But, and, but they'll order, they'll have you do a BPO. And then depending on, frankly, what kind of job you do doing the BPO, how you communicate with them, how complete your paperwork is, quality how professional it. is, the quality of it, they score you, right? They literally give you a score on your work, which some of you guys really not like. But if you figure it out and we'll, you know, that we show you how to do that in our coaching company, we show you exactly how to complete a BPO. We'll help you do your first BPO so you're doing it correctly. And then when you turn the BPO in, then you sometimes can get that asset assigned to you. There's more, again, there's more nuanced approaches uh, than just doing well, the BPO and turning it back in. Yeah. An asset is a listing or listings. So when we talk about asset managers assigning an asset, really what we're talking about is listing inventory. Right. That's given to you, basically. You don't have to individually compete for every single yeah, listing. Yeah, you have the relationship. That's ha- the beauty of it. Right. You have the relationship. And then once you have the established relationship, then they'll just assign you listings. And you'll go to one of the portals. There's portals all these companies use. And you'll just see what's been assigned to you. You'll see what's in pre-marketing. You might find that, for example, 
you have you can look in there and you can see that you are you should be expecting you know 20 listings to be assigned to you in the next you know 90 days and here's where they are in the process and you can monitor all this and from that you can then start basically building up your you know your REO inventory your and you will become a very dominant listing agent that's what happens and that's what happened in the last go around but the problem ultimately is is like we said the early bird gets the worm if you don't jump on that right away what's going to happen is the banks will have all these relationships already solidified with other people that they already have these relationships with they they trust you know Bob and Judy and Omaha mm -hmm. to you know sell their uh, assets and they know how to they know they can trust them right and Bob and Judy have consistently proven that they're willing to go above and beyond to service the bank. That's how this works. And But you have to be early. So what I want all of you to do, and we're going to talk about this more tomorrow, is I want you to text the word BPO to 31996. Text the word BPO to 31996. And when you do, um, we are going to text you back information on um, how to join the REO a short sale BPO coaching program. It's part of the Premier Coaching Program. Everybody's in Premier already gets the RSD, ASD, and BPO um, designations included with the uh, short or with the uh, Premier Coaching Program. So just text the word BPO to 31996. Text the word BPO to 31996. Yes, and before I go off to Premier Coaching, I wanted to make a point that's going on in their heads right now as you speak. Well, I don't, I don't want to do all those BPOs. I just want to cut straight to the REOs. Uh-uh, it doesn't work that way. You have to be able to do competent BPOs for REOs, for asset managers to trust you. There is no skipping of the BPO. The BPO is the gateway. You also get a lot of side benefit by educating yourself on pricing. Yep. And then you can be trusted with assets. So there, there is no only working be, uh, REOs because you know that's going on in their heads. So here's the takeaway from today's um, our, our podcast days, and please please be very clear about this. Distressed real estate isn't just some teardown. Okay, that's what a lot of you think. There can be financially distressed real estate, which is in fantastic condition, which is incredibly sellable, but for the personal financial reasons of the seller, they just decide to walk away from it. And you're going to start seeing a dramatic increase in distressed real estate in markets like Miami with all the condos. Again, I we have a lot of coaching clients in that market, and I look to see what they're listing, and I look to see what the days in the market are. And a lot of the listings that you see, for example, in, you know down near South Beach and Miami and all that, those properties have been listed for over a year, and some of them listed for two or three years. They've been on; they've had three or four listing agents. And the thing you see is the price has never really been reduced. And then you go back in property history, and you can see that the house is listed for basically what that seller paid for it maybe four or five years ago, or in some cases marginally less. But what the market's telling you is for that property to sell, it's going to have to be substantially less than what that seller even sold it for, which means the seller's going to be in a situation where they're going to be underwater. They're going to owe more on the property than it's worth. What we know statistically are the sellers in those situations are going to either do a short sale or they're going to walk away from the property. That's the direction that many of your markets are going to be uh, headed into this time next year. It's a very predictable pattern. The, there's really nothing at this point that's going to prevent that from happening. And what we're going to start seeing as these mortgage forbearances um, start to end in the next six months into next year, you're going to see a lot of folks who are no longer employed earning the same amount of money, or frankly, a lot of them are making lifestyle changes and they just don't want that lifestyle anymore. And they're going to put the properties for sale. If those things, if there's a whole bunch of things that happen at the same time, which is probably what's going to happen between you know people wanting to change their lifestyles, people not being able to get jobs, people being able to get jobs so the jobs don't pay the same, all these other kinds of things, right? 
if all that, and we're going to see income, we're going to see, I'm sorry, um, property taxes increase next year for sure. You're also going to see income taxes increase. So it makes sense. You'll see people migrating to, you know, different parts of the country or maybe there's states where they're it's going to be a little bit tax friendlier. So this great migration trend that we've already started to see little bubbling ups of around the country is going to probably pick up and you're going to start seeing, you know, essentially the former have nots in real estate become the haves. And that's kind of exciting, especially if you were a have not watching from the sidelines as coastal real estate prices have been doing so well for so long. But in the interim, here's what you got to be clear about. There's always going to be tons of opportunity in real estate. It's one of the most amazing businesses you can possibly be in. I mean, really, if you think about it, if you want to start your own business, what's possibly better than getting a real estate license? I can't think of anything. So once you get your real estate license, the next thing is you got to realize that you have a massive amount of skills to master before you're going to make any real, you know, real money in this business because people aren't going to trust you to help them unless you have a skill set that they're willing to pay for. There's That's never been more true than working with the banks and working with servicers because they will not give you the time of day unless you are 100% drilled down and professional. And they have such good checks and balances in place. Guys, for example, I was just giving you um, a little foreshadowing one of the upcoming podcasts where we were talking about how they score you for your BPOs. Well, here's something else they do. You can actually log in. You can't always get this information, but you can, there's different ways you can figure it out. And you can see what your internal score is in these different asset management companies. They score you based on all the things that we also said, but they can also score you on how long it takes for you to return a call, how long it takes for you to complete a BPO, how long it takes for you to fix something that they request that needed to be fixed on a BPO you've done, or maybe an asset that you were assigned. You know, who knows what, right? So there's all these different ways that if you understand them, if you know the rules and how you can win over a you know time when there's going to be a lot of distressed, financially distressed real estate, you're going to be able to make a fortune just because the other agents don't have the knowledge that you'll have. You guys understand? So this type of knowledge, especially if you get it before everyone else realizes they need to know it, is going to give you an unfair advantage going into a changing market. That's what our coaching program is all about. We want to always be looking ahead at the same time making sure we're not tripping over opportunities right in front of us. This is a looking ahead thing. We don't think there's going to be a big tsunami of distressed real estate for at least another six months to a year. Um, and again, we're paying attention to BP orders. We don't, I mean, the market stats and the numbers and the, all that stuff can easily be manipulated to essentially continue, you know, further somebody's agenda, right? So it's difficult to really cut through all the Mickey Mouse as far as housing data goes. But one thing that always tells the truth are BPO orders. And guess what, guys? The punchline from today's show is there's been a dramatic increase in certain markets in BPO orders. Dramatic. And there's going to continue to be. So that tells me, as it should tell you, that the market is being essentially being uh, you know watched to see if there's going to be a big surge in distress. And it does appear that there's going to be. You can't, this is not my opinion. I'm just reporting simple facts. If there's gonna, if there's a huge increase in BP orders, it can only lead to one thing, and that's more people going into default, either doing short sales, short payoffs, or obviously going and becoming, um, you know, financially distressed REO, which REO stands for real estate um, owned and REO, right? And by the banks, and banks don't want to own real estate. By the way, they hate owning real estate, which is why they need you guys to help them sell those assets. An asset, as Julie said, is a house. So more about this over the next few days. It's kind of amazing that I'm talking about this now, but Julie and I. I haven't had an REO, you know, BPO, a uh, short sale podcast or training event in probably, uh, you know, 10 years maybe. 
and to go and talk about this stuff again is kind of interesting. It's like a an emotional trip down memory lane for us in a lot of ways. That's where I know a lot of you guys discovered Julie and I back in that era. Um, well, guess what? We're going to be going down that path again. And this time, a lot of the things are the same, but almost everything as far as the systems and the expectations from the servicers has, have changed. It's going to be a lot less old boys club this time around, which I'm really I'm thrilled about and much more professional and how about and, and how agents can go about getting listings. I mean, before, guys, there was a lot of, uh, you know, people would be able to go to parties and they would be able to, you know, do all, you know, someone who would donate money to different. There are all kinds of little nefarious things that were going on in different parts of the REO um, industry, which aren't going to be happening this time around, it would seem, it would appear. Because again, there's going to be, it's going to be a lot more of an orderly, um, I think, honestly, it's going to be a lot more of an orderly, uh, what would we call it, a disbursement of assets that are going to the agents who, in the brokerages, which have essentially made it past all the educational requirements and the thresholds to do business. And it's not going to be any sort of inside uh, ball, which it really wasn't a lot of markets last time. So I'm grateful for that. In the meantime, if you guys need us for anything, if you want to talk to us about joining our eXp Realty Group, I'd appreciate appreciate the opportunity um, to discuss that with you. Just text me directly at 512-758-0206. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.